How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and this episode is taking it all the way back to the beginning of my journey in 2017. When I first started this podcast, I used to go around all the local gyms, interview local fighters, and I really enjoyed doing that. But it became too much being able to lug all the equipment around and doing shows every weekend, and there was a choice that I had to make. Now, the podcast is, of course, my baby, Johnston's baby. But I wanted to really go back to the beginning and I wanted to start going back to the grassroots of this sport. So with the support of everybody that listens to this show and the patrons through patreon.com, I've been able to purchase some really great podcast equipment, which is allowing me now to be able to go back to the beginning and interview people without the difficulties and challenges that I faced originally. So this interview is with local fighter Jason Cohen, who's from Berry, who trains at a Marvin Greaves' gym. And he's someone who I've seen in the gym and someone who I've got to know through being in the gym myself. So it felt only right that when he had a fight day coming up, we could do a podcast. And it was all about getting him on to do his journey, his story. So this episode with Jason is about his story. It's an introduction to what it was like for him coming through boxing and his thoughts and feelings on his career and plans for the future as well. So without further ado, I give you Jason Cohen. Jason, welcome to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me on this show. It's a little bit like a a ones-to-watch episode, this episode, because you've never been on my show before, and you've recently started your professional career. I've met you through training at the same gym, and obviously we've now built up a little bit of a relationship, and it was great to ask you to come on because I thought it'd be really good to get you on the show and, and introduce you to our audiences, but not just our audiences, but introduce you to everybody in the boxing world that listens to this show and 
wants to know about the next prospects coming through the different areas of the UK. So thanks for coming on the show. No, thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. And yeah, obviously, um, we know each other through the gym and I'm familiar with your work. So it was, uh, oh, it's a pleasure to be asked. So with the with these type of interviews, what I would normally do is, because nobody knows you barring the people that are going to listen to it locally and regionally, like from the Berry area where you're from, but it's good for like people who listen from the US. So we've got a lot of US listeners who really enjoy listening to the prospects coming through. And we have a show called Ones to Watch. And this is kind of like what this is. It's kind of like Ones to Watch with you. And it's, it's trying to get the audience, you guys listening, to find out about Jason and, and what his background is and how he got into this sport and, you know, all the dramas that go with that. So, Jason, I think the first question is always the same question but it's so important to find out like what got you into this sport so where did it all begin for you this journey yeah so it began when i was i was 13 years old i was i was interested in the sport but i wasn't like you know committed to watching it all the time and stuff i just liked the idea of fighting you know, i probably a bit cliche but loved fighting as a kid and uh obviously shouldn't do that but i was with some friends that i used to hang around with and we just found a gym one day um and we just thought oh, this looks good, it's like a boxing gym, you know, we're all interested in, in doing a little bit. So we thought we'd go there, and um, I'm from Bury, uh, but it was based in, like, Radcliffe area, and so we just travelled there uh, when the sessions were on, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I think there was, like, four of us to start off with, and then as it goes, some people stay, some people don't, and then, you know, four turned to three, three turned to two, and then... You know, two turns to one, and that was just me at the end, and then that was a decision, like, do I want to carry on going every day? Do I enjoy this that much? And it was like, yeah, you know, I, I love the sport. I, I picked it up really quick, like, and I enjoyed it and stuff, and it was, like, one of those things that, yeah, you sort of take fancy to, and you sort of get, like, sort of obsessed with it in a little bit. And so, you know, I was, at that point, I was 13 years old, so I was in school, and, you know, I had to get there on my own, so I was getting the bus to Radcliffe every night, and I was training, and then you have to start, then you start sparring, and then you start have to do your runs, because you realise you've got to be fit to start getting, to start sparring and stuff, so you just, you just continue it that way, and then one thing led to another, and I picked up quite quick, and it, um, I think it was about three months into boxing, I, I ended up being asked to get my licence, which was pretty good, and I was like, this is like amazing. Like I've got a boxer's license. I've got a license to fight. And when you're like 13 years old, you're just like, this is like a license to fight. And uh, it's like, this is a really nice thing to have. But yeah, and then we started the journey uh, just on my own. And then working down at, it was, it was called Dynamics at the time. It was in a gym and it was run by A.D. Lewis, who was the former British Commonwealth champion. And so it was great to have him around because, you know, he'd, he'd have his belts and stuff and he'd talk to you about that. And you're like, wow, you've got, we've got someone who has achieved something massive in, in the sport. And that's really like, you know, it was quite inspiring in a way. So it's like, you know, you, you go to that gym and you're like, I want to do what you've done. I want you to train me to get you to, to get me to where, to where you were at this point and stuff. So, so yeah, so we, we kicked on. We started fighting, getting some fights in, and doing pretty well, really. I think my four, first four fights I had three wins, and when those three came by like stoppage, and so, but then and then we started like fighting for sort of, area, well not every title, so that's the professional game, but like the regional titles and stuff in the ABAs. So I won a regional, and then time went on, we started, we moved on to national. I think it was called CYP Championship for Young Persons. I'm not sure if it's still around now in the amateur game, but. In my, like, my 10th or 11th fight, I got to the semi-finals of that and ended up getting a loss to some guys to like 45 fights. So I was like, there's some honour in just going like 
it's sort of it's sort of getting to that point anyway. So um, so yeah, and then you know you get a bit older and start getting into more. You know, you're going out a bit more and you you're trying to go out with your friends and you do all those things that you get told not to do and stuff. And it was like when I was about seventeen, eighteen. I think this was just after I won the. Well, not when I got to the semi-finals and nationals, and then um, things just uh, didn't really go well after that. I think I started losing the sort of edge in the sport, and then I was like, you know, is this something worth carrying on? And then like, didn't really have much money when I was younger, so I was just like, I had to work everything that I sort of wanted. So I had, so I was having, I was working as like a pot wash and bartender and stuff whilst I was training, whilst I was at college. So you could say like my days were completely full. <laughs> So if you, if you and boxing is one of those sports where if you want to commit, if you want to do it, you can't just do it half-heartedly. You've got to commit to it if you want to fight because, you know, it's it's hard for one thing, but it's also dangerous as well. And you know, no one wants to go out there and lose, especially in the amateur game. So um, and then I picked up a few losses because I think when you get to that level where you have been like 15, 20 odd fights, the level really starts picking up as an amateur, and you have to be really on it. And my sort of training wasn't, the diet wasn't. I was just going to fights like. I was like, I'll never turn down a fight. That was just my mentality. Like, I'll never turn one down. But, you know, I wasn't ready for these fights, but I was telling people that I, I, I was and stuff like that. So you sort of get, you're losing it a little bit. And then I was a bit, um, I, was, I was quite, because I didn't manage my weight properly. I was, um, I was quite, I was quite small and heavy for my weight. I was, I, I was like a bit of a power puncher, like a bit of a sort of bruiser in the game. And then when you're at a certain weight, you know how the weight's going. Some of these amateur games, like, it's like height rather than, you know, how powerful you are. It's all about technique and style and skill. And if you're like some, you know, some uh, some pressure fighter and you've got someone who's, you know, inches taller than you and they can just outbox you and they're picking up the points. It's not about if you can throw the landish, hardest shot because one hard shot is worth one point and one tap is worth one shot. So I, I was I was finding it difficult at that level and that's where I started picking up a few losses and that was just about my training wasn't, on point my diet wasn't on point and I probably needed you know a bit of arm over the shoulder and some advice at that point but I didn't have that and I just thought you know if I do this I'm gonna have to do it 100% am I prepared for that and at the time I was like I wasn't so um, I just decided to take a new direction after college I went to university I got a degree built myself a pretty good career which I'm still in now so it's IT and like I always wanted to do boxing again but I was like, if I do it, I know now, if I go back in, I had 20 fights um, when I left the sport. Um, and then when I was about 18, and then I was like, if I go back in, I'm going back in with 20 fights, so I have to take this stuff seriously. You know, I've had years out. So I was, I was like, that was at the forefront of my mind. Like, no, I've got to focus on my career. And so I always pushed it to the side. I did the odd training. So in the summers when I went home, I went back to the gym, did a little bit, never thought about competing again. And then it was only until, you know, the pandemic hit and everyone got sent to work from home. And I was in... Um, and I moved home and the part was in a flat in Manchester and I was on my own. My housemate uh, went home for the pandemic and stuff, so I was just in my own. So I tried to bring my weight down a little bit and then I moved back home and then went to the gym. And I remember going back to the gym and just thinking, I'm just going to pick this up for fitness because I was working literally like 16 hours a day. I was like, this is the only thing I've got to do at the moment is work because we're all sat at home on my own in a flat. So so let's just work. So, But then you don't realise like when you're younger and it's like you get you get really get burnt out. So I was like, nah, I was like, this is really a sort of like taking its toll on me. So what I'm going to do is I'll go back to the gym to do it for a bit of fitness. And I remember I thinking, I've not checked my weight in a while. And when I was off, I was just doing the usual stuff. She was lifting weights, she was eating a lot of food, you know, doing all 
doing all that, putting on a lot of weight. I remember I was all about 85 kilos when I went back. And when I left, I was 66 kilos. The last bite I had was around 66, I think I remember. And then I went back, I was 85. I was like, Jesus, like, this is going to be hard. <laughs> I remember my first sparring session when I went back and it was just with some of the kids and none of them were as experienced. They may have had like one or two fights, but then I had 20. But after about 30 seconds of a two-minute round, I was absolutely aghast. And I was like, I was like, this is hard. But like that feeling, that itch came back to the sport. And I was like, you know what? I want to prove that I'm that I was decent and stuff, and that I was a good fighter. And I want to like, and there's all these young kids now who are probably in the same position that I were. And I was like, and I could probably sort of, you know, show them what I was about. I'm not just this like, you know, overweight kid who's come back who's like tried to pretend that he had like an amazing amateur <laughs> career and stuff. So yes, yeah, so I just thought, you know, I did a few spars and then you bring the, the weight down a little bit, got a little bit better, you know, got back into the routine of things. And then I just thought, you know what, why don't we try fighting again? And so I went back. Um, we got our license back and stuff and I remember I, picked, I entered it was called Senior Developments the ABAs it was only if I'd under, tw under 20 fights and I had 20 fights so I could still enter it so I entered that um, at 75 kilos which was still too overweight and I was having the same issues of why I was picking up losses in the last you know when, when I left because I was I was trying to knock people out at 5 foot 8 but I had people 6 foot on <laughs> ping, pinging me off so that was a bit of a you know a bit of a wake up call but you know, it was either you go one way, you quit again, or you or you try and put the work in. So I was dropping the weight and stuff like that. And then um, got to the regional final of that, ended up losing that on a split decision, I think. And then I was like, right, I really need to sort myself. I need to start coming down and weight, improving my fitness diet and stuff. So I started doing that, I had a few more fights. And then the my gym, so Ada's gym, I did move at this point. There's another gym at another point in Radcliffe. And we moved to... And they started, they went in for their uh, pro seconds license because they wanted to start managing pros and and, and training pros and stuff. And I, and they was like, right, well, you've had twenty five fights now, you know. And we know you're a good boxer, you know. You like you switched on and stuff. So we'll, um, you know, so we'll, we'll take you pro. And I was like, oh, wasn't I? Was like, I'm going to be a pro boxer. I was like, this is the dream that like you know that you sort of think about when you're a kid. This is what you try and work up to. But then I think they couldn't sort of like manage me or something. There's sort of rules that you have to be a pro. For a certain amount of time, either a trainer or a, or a competitor, for like three years in the last ten years or something, otherwise you can't do it. So it turned out that they couldn't take me pro, but I still had it in my idea in my head where I was like, right, and I've been told I can go pro, so I'm going pro now. So I'm going to do it. So by any means, I'm going to do it. And there was a someone who used to come to the gym. She's called Natalie Lewis. She does the wraps on the pro circuit yeah. now. So she trains. She just training and she helps out a little bit. And then she got in touch with. She gave us contact for Kevin Murray, the manager, and my trainer spoke to him. One thing led to another, and we got a we got a pro contract started. And yeah, I've had one fight now, and we won it, and ready to push on for more. Yeah, we're good. Some, yeah, it's a good story because we obviously interact in the gym. We don't interact on this level, so we don't. I've never really known your story, so I've never really known where you've got where you've come from, where you've got to, and why you're here, and, and what your ambitions are. And just going back to your amateur career, talking about that. Now, people that don't know what it's like in the amateur side of the sport, uh, you know, they're a little bit sort of naive to how things are and, and mm. the, the differences between the amateur and the pro side of the sport. So when you first started competing, what, what was it like for you? Was the excitement, was the butterflies, nerves, everything that you kind of anticipate is going to happen when you first started getting in the ring with people? Was was there any of that or was you just, did you feel confident within yourself that you was going to be able to do this? Um, for my first amateur fight? Yeah. Yeah, so I always find it weird because everyone's like, the most nervous you'll ever feel is like your first fight, but 
I was like, I remember when I had my first first couple of fights and I wasn't nervous at all. I remember like, I thought this is strange because everyone's telling me like, everyone's in your face going, oh, you're going to be nervous, but it's about how you handle those nerves. You're only going to be nervous. I was like, nervous? I was like, what for? I was like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know, get punched and punch someone up and like, and that's it. But it's only when like, and then, so I've had that confidence and then, then you start, when the level goes, oh, that's when you start to get nervous because no one, when you're like, when you're starting out, no one really knows who you are and stuff. But then when you start picking up, then amateur clubs, when they're putting on shows and stuff, they can start to pick and choose who they want, who they want on the show. And then similar to the pro game, really, if you start, you know, stopping people and knocking them out and stuff and someone's noticed that, you won't get picked to fight that much. You know, so they won't pick on their show because they're like, well, I would, I'm holding the show. My lads had like three fights, one, two, stop down. And then this guy's coming, he's like four, stop three. Like, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We're not going to put him on, even though yeah. it's on that the the record, the list or something where you're on the amateur, you know, where you go and check who to put people up against. Yeah. So early on in the amateur, I was I was only having like two or three fights. Um, per year so I was sort of like struggling for fights at one point because of because of that side of things and that's why we went in the championships and stuff and and I had to go sort of like that move and pick up the you know pick up the experience with much more experienced guys so like the CYPs for example I went in and first guy I fought had like 35 fights I um, I think I beat him there was another guy the the Leeds champion someone he had 28 and then there was like the Midlands champion something had 45 at that point. So like there's that sort of similarity between the amateur and the pro game. But um, but yeah, I think you sort of realise it, it just like, it's like comes around at one point when you realise when the level picks up, that's when you start getting nervous because you know these guys are really going to be serious now. These guys are on my level. And I suppose it's sort of like going to be similar in the pro game really. Like when, when we start building up the record and, you know, maybe getting stoppages and picking up wins, then the level's going to improve and you're going to get a bit more nervous, you know, because you realise that these people are going to be much more on your level. And that's when you sort of get that get the nerves. Well, for me, that's when I got the nerves anyways, when when I thought there's risk of losing. Because in your first fight, you feel invincible. 
I was like, there's no risk of losing it because I know I, I'm I'm like amazing because I'm sparring yeah. well and I've got great power and stuff. So there's no way I'm going to lose. And you pick up that first loss and you're like, right, I'm not I'm not as indestructible as you think you are. And uh, I suppose that's the that's the feelings that I got anyway. But I suppose it's different for everyone, really. Yeah, it is. It's different for everybody. Everybody has a different journey. And when you go through the course of an amateur career, it's, it's totally different. And a, a lot of professionals that I've always spoke to have always said the same thing. And you might be able to say the same thing as well which is like a lot of people when they go into the amateur side of the sport it's very much like um fencing in in that sense where you are trying to do certain things in a ring you're not essentially going out there to 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 knock your opponent out you're going in there to hit and not be hit which is the art of the sport but in the amateur side of it it's, it's point scoring so you, you're scoring points off punches landed and you know, there's different parameters as to what there is in the in the pro side of the sport, and and obviously, judging and and refereeing and and all that side of the sport is is really contentious. It causes a lot of contention within the professional side, but also in the amateur side. I've I've seen so many people talk about the amateur side of the sport. Different people within the sport that have said, "Oh, I can't stand the amateur side of the sport. It's so corrupt." You know, you go to you go to a different show. You go to you fight on a hot on a on a different show on another club show and you end up getting a really bad decision because it's that club show and you know I've heard it all before and I can imagine the transition from from fighting as an amateur now to having your first professional fight was was so much different. But are you one of those people, one of those fighters that says the same thing in the sense that like I'm I'm more suited to that style as in professional than amateur? Uh huh. So I, I've got a point on this because I hate that. I hate when people say it. I hate when people say, oh, I'm going to be pro because my style's more suited to it. I'm just like, no, I was like, if, you, if you're not that good of an amateur, you know, the chances are you're, not, you're going to be that not that good of a pro. So really, I think it's a bit of like a, a scapegoat really for people to say. I think you, you learn your trade in the amateur. I know it's a different sport, like, well, I mean, I say it, not a different sport, but it is like a different sport, really. Yeah. Like the, the style, the, the way it's scored, you know, even like down to the events and stuff like that. You know, amateurs like every fight's 50 50. I'd always say amateur is, is well, I can't speak from experience, but I think amateur at this point is harder than, than pro because every fight in the amateurs are 50 50. And you always think of like some of these top level fighters and they're fighting internationally. And I think, you know, they're fighting the best in the world sometimes, like, every, like you know, multiple times per week. I was like, every fight being a 50-50, when you're pro, you might be fighting like once every like, what, like four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks or whatever. And then you're building those, those people up to get to that, your level. And then you start doing 50-50s. But I think like you really learn your trade in the amateurs. So I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't, if someone says to me, like, my style's more suited to an amateur, to a pro, because I've, I, was, I've, I was more powerful and I was a bit more of a, a pressure fighter. You know, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because I think like, if it's more of a mental side of things as well because you're going to go in the there's a lot more pressure in the amateur game when every fight's a 50 50 yeah and then when you're in the pro game you sort of it's more reliant on the performances because if you're a fairly decent like boxer and you know like what you're doing your first few fights you might fight like journeyman and stuff like that you're not going to have those 50 50s but when you start getting into those 50 50s how are you going to handle it and you won't know that unless you've not had proper 50 50s in the amateur game and i think there's a mental side of it and obviously, if you've been boxing for like, you know, if you started boxing like for two years ago when you turned pro, you're not going to have the technical ability. You're not going to build the same like, you know, it's like muscle memory, isn't it? And you're training, like yep. your, you know, 
how to throw a punch in certain situations and if you don't have those situations you don't even have the technique for a lot of some of the for a lot of people who may think about turning pro you know you're not going to have all those attributes that are going to help you get there when you do start hitting those 50 50 fights so i think i, I try and emphasize it a lot that i know i'm 27 now and i came back into the sport you know only a few years ago and to me it's like time's not really on my side that's why i want to go pro but if i could have done anything different i would have stayed in the amateur game for as long as possible Especially if you see some of these amateurs now having hundreds of fights, yeah. you know, you, you, you like obviously extreme example, Lomachenko, like 400 odd fights, but like one loss, and you see the technical ability is unbelievable. And so they start having these 50 50 fights, you know, really early on in the career. So I'm re I really try and push that point is like be the best amateur you can and stay as an amateur for as long as possible and then turn over pro because that's when you're going to have the success, you know. So it's like, I said, you know, so as I said, like the chances are that you're going to be just as good of a pro as you are an amateur. Yeah, but people, but you fight more often as an amateur, though. You could be fighting exactly. every single week. You could be out every week fighting different people. So you gain more experience in, in regardless of what maybe people's opinions are on, on it and how they see scoring and how they see going to other shows, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is, you get more experience by fighting so many different people so many different lads and obviously for the girls so many different girls you get that experience by going on the road yeah. and fighting in different environments and that that's essentially what trains you up for that transition you know if you are going to become a professional boxer you need to be trained in the transition of being able to go to a hostile environment to be able to go and fight a, a person that's going to be the favorite because they've got a better record than you essentially so you need that level of experience yeah. and then you, what you see is you get a lot of professionals that turn over that say similar things like i mentioned and a lot of the time it's because maybe they can't get the fights that they need maybe you know some people say oh well i can't get the fight so i'm at to turn pro or you know there's, there's there's no there's nothing in this for me and some will capitalize on the fact that they're able to to turn professional maybe because they've got a famous father who was a fighter or maybe they've got someone within the family that's well known within the sport so a lot of the time they they don't necessarily have an extensive amateur career. And I'm referring to people like Conor Benton and Campbell Hatton. Them two in particular did not have an extensive amateur career. And this is why, like, with Campbell in particular, he gets put on a pedestal because of his father. He gets put on a show really high up when there's guys out there that are never going to get the opportunity to be thrusted into a matchroom show. So, you know, the, the, there are sort of certain ways and means in which people do jump the queue a little bit when it comes to that. But... The point I'm trying to make is if you are in the sport and you're an amateur, you want to stay in it as long as you can, regardless of, of you know, if you don't always get the result, even though you should have had the result, it's about getting that experience and getting prepared for that transition because when that transition comes, it, it becomes even more difficult to, to be able to get that progression. And you've got to sign with the right people. You've got to train with the right people. If you don't get that either, mm. then potentially your career is not going to go the way it's meant to go. So going back to you and your story, obviously you've signed on with Kevin Marie, who's well known in the Northwest. He's got a really, really great reputation for, for developing fighters through his management. He's obviously got his license. He's been a coach for years himself. So he's got all of the experience in the world. And now you're training with Marvin Greens here in Oldham. And you've made that decision. So I'm just wondering how that came about. Because obviously, I know you weren't able to do it through, through Berry and Radcliffe. But what was it about Marvin? Was it a recommendation from Kevin? Or did you see what he was doing with, with Mikey Gomez Jr.? What was it that sort of attracted you to his gym? 
so I was really knowledgeable about local gyms at all. Like I just wanted to go pro. My, in my head at the time, it was like I'm gonna go pro with Ada Lewis, and and you know when I realised that couldn't happen, I was a bit like, oh, what am I gonna do now? I don't know. I don't know the game. I don't know the like the local professional sports game. You know, I don't, what what am I gonna do now? So obviously, you know, massive thanks to to Natalie for putting me in contact with Kevin. But I spoke to him and I met him up at um, Phoenix camp. I they don't train pros anymore, but you know, I think Josh Holmes, Billy Dennis was there and uh and so I did a, I did a week of training there as like a trial and that was, you know, I think Kevin's he said that was like his base whenever he comes up to Manchester and stuff, that's where he'll, he'll come and I was a, spent a week training there. There was a week a day when he was down watching sparring and something I saw Saturday but I was just talking to him about things. And then at the end of the week, you know, um, I, I don't think the trainer at the time was, you know, wanting to take someone off. Take someone on, sorry. I think Maybe because, like, you know, shortly after that, he ended up uh, stopping training pro. So yeah. I don't know what happened there, really. But then Kevin was like, right, okay, that's that's not one. But, right, we'll, we'll, he knows another trainer, Marvin Greaves, um, Olden, who's, like, great trainer, you know, proper, like, knows what he's doing everything. So I was like, you know, like, well, it's coming, Kevin's a manager, so I'm going to trust what he says. He yeah. probably knows, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing. And so he sent me down to um, meet me at Marvin's. Marvin has bunch of pros there you know Michael Gomez there's a few prospects coming up as well there and uh and yeah and then we just had a week of training there's like a trial period but like I liked it it was it was the first time when I like as an amateur it's, it's different because like when you're being coached you're being coached as, as a class yeah. you know you might have like 10 15 amateurs maybe who are all preparing for fights so having one-to-one time with coaches is a bit scarce, you know, as so you might get it when you're leading up to a fight, so you can have to do some pads after work, after the training or something like that. But um, Marvin's gym was the first gym where, you know, Marvin would spend a lot of time going over everything. And I was just like, I remember going home after the first week and I was just like, wow, I was like, he's done things like, he's, you know, he's, he's telling me exactly how to correct my t- technique. He's talking to me about how, you know, what the pro game's like. So obviously I didn't know what to expect at this point with no fights. He's like, what? Like, you know, the things down to, like, when I'm in position, like, grabbing my foot and moving it somewhere just to make sure that technique. And we saw that to this day, and I was just, like, the having that one-to-one time and knowing how... I mean, I was saying it, I was just with him before, and I, I was talking to him, I was like, how generous he probably is with his time. I was like, having a trainer like that, probably at my level, with a limited amateur background, someone who's willing to spend that time with me, I was just like, this... Yeah, I was just like, this, this is a really good gym. So we're there, like, five days a week now, you know, fitness, technique, everything we're doing, and... Uh, he has good insight of of how I'm doing, how I'm developing, and we'll talk to each other and stuff. And he'll say, you know, where where we're going wrong and where we're going right. We've just had the fight, so we'll we'll sit down and we'll talk about that as well, like what we need to work on and improve. And now we're doing drills for that, so just I can see and I can see myself getting better and better every every week, every training session, really. And you know, looking forward to next fights just so I can see for myself just you know how much these improvements are coming on. So it's like I'm yeah excited to to keep going with him. He's becoming relatively successful now. Obviously, he's had Michael Gomez Jr. for a couple of years, and with Michael obviously getting the the English title earlier this year and getting that win over Levi Jones has kind of propelled his reputation a little bit as a trainer because he's not been a professional coach for a long period of time, but he's coached amateurs for a very, very long time. So he's got a lot of experience in the amateur game. He's obviously a, a professional a long time ago himself once. So he knows he knows what the sport is like. He knows what the business side of the sport is like. So he's got the knowledge of it. And like you said, because I train there as well, I know how... I see on a day-to-day basis how, how he tries to make sure that everybody gets that time with him. And I know as a coach, that must be incredibly difficult because he's trying to service different professionals he's got amateurs that are coming in at a similar time you know he's got 
people that are coming in like myself who, who are looking for a little bit of fitness and learning a little bit more. So he, he's got so many different people coming in the gym uh, to be able to get that time from him is, is is really good. And I know he does a lot for the community around here in Oldham. So it's really good that your experience of him so far has been has been nothing but great because you're learning different things that you haven't learned before and it's it's allowing you to to start developing yourself as a professional fighter so professional fighting this is where we now start to talk about what this experience has been like you've only had the one fight so far you've made your debut a little bit earlier this year in july and I just want to know what that was like for you, the whole experience of, of building up to it and, you know, being able to sell tickets. Of course, that's one of the biggest issues that professional fighters have, especially in the UK. In the US, they don't actually have to do this. So you guys listening in the US, you, you your fighters don't have this problem. But in the UK, we have this issue where if you're a fighter on a show, you have to sell a certain quarter of tickets to at least cover the cost of the opponent before you can even take anything out of it if you end up doing and then you've obviously got some deal that you might have with your manager, that you might have with your trainer, that you've got to pay a certain percentage out of that. And, and and this is whole part and parcel of what UK boxing has always been about. So what was your experience then when you did the pro contract, you signed with Kevin, you're training with Marvin, you get your first professional day. How did the lead up to that go and what was the experience like? Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy really. You don't feel that. I mean, unless someone who's close to you knows it, like you really don't understand like people tell you about it all the time they'll say right you have to sell tickets you know and okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they'll tell you that's what you have to do, and, and you know, and this is what the requirements are. And you're like, well, okay, that's fine. You know, I'll, I'll sell a few tickets. I'll do this. But then when you actually realise just how much, how hard it is to do that, like when you talk about the differences between the amateur and the pro game, the amateur is all right because you just turn up, yep. you fight, and you know that's one that's one stress off your mind really. But the pro game, yeah, like it's all about selling selling tickets really and putting on a show and making sure that you value for money really because it's not just like selling tickets like you know they're not they're not necessarily that cheap you know you're talking like 40 60 plus pounds and that's a lot of money that people are paying to sort of yeah. come and watch it i was happy with that and i was just like i just want to buy it like i'm that's all i want to do like 
I, I'm not necessarily like happy that well, I'm not happy, but I understand the game. But you know, it's not the best thing I think for fighters to sort of like have to sell tickets all the time. Yeah. I think it's, it's a stress. It's a lot. It's a lot of stress, which yeah, I I probably, I probably get into. But for me, it's like I was always I'm like quite shy and like quite awkward really, and like I like a bit introverted. I like to spend a lot of time on my own. So knowing that I have to sort of like flip things around and like really start trying to push sales like some sort of salesperson is just like absolutely crazy for me and I was just like but well, that's what I have to do to sort of to make sure that I succeed in this game you know part of it is being a good fighter yeah. but a big part of it at this level is being able to sell the tickets I think that's one of the things that people really need to be prepared for it's like an education thing okay like like we were saying before like people say oh I'll go into a pro game because my style suits it be like if you do you understand like, what goes into this outside of the fight game as well? And I think that's what puts a lot of people off and maybe turn into, you know, becoming an away fighter or something like that. But for me, I don't want to do that. I want, I want to be a prospect. I want to, you know, take take it as far as I can go, as the potential can take me. And yeah, and we just just try to like do whatever we can really to sort of sell tickets. So I have friends and stuff, asking them and stuff. And we use social media to us putting different videos out, trying to push things all, all through that. That helps. And then... People sort of like getting. I think people sort of get an interest in people who are fighting because you sort of when you realise just how hard this sport actually is. I don't think many people do until you're actually in it. But fighting is just one thing, like I said, and then trying to promote yourself and stuff like that. And it can come a bit annoying for people and stuff, which you have to sort of take on the chin, really, like asking everyone to share your stuff and and things like that. But um, I think a big part of it was my amateur club, so Radcliffe Elite, where I coach as well. Like no one's no one's gone pro there. We don't really know any pros other than Aidy, but that was you know when his career was, um, a while ago. So you know, so I sold a lot of tickets through the club, and people were looking up to that as well. So that was a really big factor, you know, in in sort of being able to help generate interest in ticket sales, and then you know people, you know, word of mouth and stuff like that. And we got posters made as well. So I got there's a graphic designer who, um, but who helps down at the gym and he was helping me put a few posters out and stuff like that and we got them blown up, put them around the gym, start building an interest. And then you sort of like sort of got to build a brand for yourself yeah. as well. And I'm sort of trying to trying to work on that. So uh, we've got t-shirts made. It doesn't come cheap though, does it? None of this comes cheap because you have to put your hand in your pocket for, for a lot of this stuff unless, unless you're very fortunate enough to get somebody on board, a business or a few businesses where they'll say, do you know what, Jason, we'll we'll pay for this, we'll pay for that, we'll pay for your medical fees, whatever. Unless you actually get that, you actually have to put your own hand in your own pocket mm. to be able to pay. And, and T-shirts for people don't cost, you know, it's not cheap. It's not cheap to do posters. It's not cheap to get graphic design done. So to build that brand, as you say, which is which is very important in this generation of the sport, you, you've got to do that, haven't you? So it's not cheap. No, it's not cheap at all. It's, you know, it, it does come out of your own pocket. I mean thanks to my sponsors as well they really help out especially like this the, the costs in, in the game as well there's promotional stuff obviously but then you've got your medicals you've got licensing fees you've got training fees everything that's and without sort of like sponsors and stuff like that so you you, you really would struggle in the sport i think that's obviously i do wonder sometimes like how many great boxers are out there who just couldn't sell tickets or couldn't promote themselves and stuff like that and i do like you know is there you know maybe in the future is the way to sort of help those people out or something but for now yeah you sort of got to think how how can i do it and uh yeah so help with sponsors knowing people in the business who have businesses and stuff like that so i've got friends you know uh, family and stuff like that who really help out yeah and i think you've got to have a good uh, you know good people around if you want you to succeed as well and i think that's an important part of it and i think i sort of have that really and like say to anyone get like 
my partner, like Molly, she helps me absolutely loads of everything, you know, she'll be helping me out with tickets, t-shirts, she'll be, you know, help, help me speaking to sponsors and stuff, doing whatever I can, her family helps as well. So I think having people, making sure you have a, a you know, group of people around you who can help, that helps, you know, that'll really help progress your career as well. But it's also something that you really need to be prepared for, I think, in the sport and it's a, it's a tough one really. But yeah, I mean, building up to the experience was was great though because you sort of have to especially if like you're not used to doing those things you have to you know have a different personality i suppose and you have to reach out to people but it was good because i was i was out there and i was dropping out tickets to people and there's people who i haven't seen since you know since high school and stuff who wanted to come and people who were just interested and and you're dropping out tickets it's all it's all physical tickets so you're dropping them off face to face and you're speaking to them and they're asking about it and i thought that's like one of the things that I didn't expect would be like one of the best parts about the experience building up is because you can just speak to people and you can sort of build that rapport with people. And that was really good as well and I enjoyed. But again, that's one of that stressful things. Like I'm, you're training twice a day, you know, I'm working, I have to work full time because it doesn't really pay the bills yet. And then I was driving back and forth, you know, to, to people's houses, dropping off tickets. You're managing your social media, I'm driving back and forth, dropping off t-shirts and stuff like that. And you know, and you don't really make any money off it at the start unless you sell like a, a load of tickets or get some really good sponsors on board. Like, yeah, so that's just like maybe a bit of an insight into sort of how difficult it is. And then you just like, you get to the point where you're just like, I'm a few weeks away and you're like, I just, like, I can't wait for fight night because on fight night, I know all of that stuff is behind me. Yeah. Like, I can't do any more. Like, I can just focus 100% on the performance. As long as you can try and sell tickets and stuff as early as possible, there's always someone you know, last day, like, oh yeah, I'll have a few, you know, if he's going, I'll go and all that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, but on fight night, it was just like, it was like a weight lifted off your shoulders and you're just like, right now I can just focus on just putting the best performance possible. And I think that was, that's a, a good side of it as well. So I think it's good to sort of embrace those, you know, speaking to sponsors and speaking to people and stuff like that. I think that's a, that's a big part of it, of the build up that you sort of didn't, I didn't expect anyway, but that you really, people should really embrace. I think that's good. And then, yeah. And then just on fire night, just knowing that all that's behind you, you can just put in the best performance possible. And look, I think it's on about hundred tickets, which, which, is fair, which is fairly good. I think, you yeah, know, it's good. It's not bad. And then, um, thanks to like my girlfriend as well. She was like, she got like posters me. She was directing people to sit in like a certain area. So I think on on some of the videos and stuff, there's like the camera turns and you can see everyone. It looks like there's loads of people there for you, which they were to be fair, but there's all in that same area. And then I remember doing like interviews and stuff after it. Even being in the fight, you can see hear everyone and stuff on the screen. And you realise it's like it's a big thing for other people as well. And you know, and hopefully that was a good night for everyone. And you sort of enjoy the night at that point. And that's what everyone keeps saying when you get there. It's like just enjoy yourself, just enjoy yourself. Like, how can I just enjoy myself? I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm hitting people. It's yeah. only hit me. Like, you know, this is competitive, brutal sport. Yeah. Like, but do you mean just enjoy yourself? But when you're hearing the crowd screaming and like chatting songs and they've got your t-shirts on and they're cheering you on and everything, I was just like, it's, it's the best feeling ever, really. Part of the, part of the sport, which... This, well, they say, they say there's no... There's no, there's not many thrills that you can get as a human being in the world that are, are, are easy to replicate. And this is one of them. I mean, being a professional boxer going out there for the first time, or even as however many times you go out there to fight somebody, there's there's so many people that I've spoken to that said there is no other adrenaline rush that they've ever had in their life that matches that. And that, and, and that unfortunately, is sometimes why a lot of fighters do go on too long because they try to replicate that. And once you leave the sport or, or you... you careers curtailed for whatever reason you end up like trying to replace that and replicate that with something else so you must have had that exact feeling uh, and 
throughout your life in 27 years, could you honestly say you ever had a an adrenaline rush like it? No, it's it's fighting competitively is like just the craziest feeling because you're nervous, like the build up, everything gets you got butterflies in your belly, but like that's like that that put a lot of people off. I think that's like that stops people from doing it. Like, oh, I hate feeling like that, but. But that's what keeps you going sometimes. Like, and then when you lift your hand, like if your hand gets raised at the end of it, it's just like, all that. It's like that feeling of everything's paid off. But it's not just like turning up on the night. It's like this is a result of those years of training, the years of, you know, promoting yourself or whatever, and uh, and and like having that adrenaline rush. You you can have, you know, there's nothing really that can replicate that. I don't think. Well, you got your win in your first professional fight. It was uh, it was a great performance from yourself, and you was able to get your hand lifted at the end, of course. And again, another another rush of adrenaline is having your hand lifted for the first time as a professional. It's not the same as as being an amateur and getting your hand lifted because I think when you fight so often, so frequently, you kind of you are you expect it. You you know, I think a lot of time you do get a little bit complacent in that respect that like you kind of expect these things to happen. But when you're turning to, to a professional for the first time you know the risks are even higher you know the challenge is greater and and when that sort of success comes as a result of it it's it's must have been a bit of a re- a relief a bit of a mixed emotions i would have thought it's a relief but it's like it's a relief for such a short amount of time and you're like you get back to the dressing room or whatever you see your friends and stuff and you're like right when the next one i want to go again and it's just like then the the, the sort of the pressures could well, not the pressures but the sort of feelings come back it's just like right i know i could have done xyz better in that fight that's in my mind playing now and i've got to move on to the next fight and then we're back in training or whatever and then you've got to think about those things so you're always thinking about the next fight in a sense and that next adrenaline rush you know like everything was so good it's like when's the next one i was like when i got out the ring i was just like i want to do this again and again and again and the hardest part now is that i have to wait until until the next day you know in uh in october to have that feeling again but then, yeah, it's it's like you know, it's 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 a tale of two stories really. Because on one side, it's like I really want to fight again, but you know, right, I've got I've got to go and sell tickets to do all this promotional <laughs> stuff again. Yeah. It's just like it's just it's just that recurring thing. But I suppose that's what that's that's what's required. And hopefully, one day, you know, you get to the point where some of that sort of like reduces, and you can just focus purely on the fights and stuff like that. But I don't think there is anything like that feeling, no. And and I wouldn't say it, it's much of a relief in the sense that like you're like. Oh, it's like a relief. Like, I don't have to do that again. Like it's like a you know like a job interview or something. He's like, right, I don't have to do that again for yeah. the next few years. It's like, no, I do have to do that again. I have to focus on, on what on what I'm going to improve on because this isn't like, like we were saying before. Like these fights aren't really fifty fifty yet, you know. So it's like these are like what are our performance is going to be like and how to move on to the next one. So as soon as we get out of the gym, it's like how what how was I how was my performance? So it's not. You know, so you're not you're not relieved. You're just like you're curious as to as to what as to what people have thought, so how you can improve on the next time and then the next time and the next time. I suppose, you know, you never know when that relief will sort of come. I suppose maybe if you win a title or something, will you know that's when you relieve because you're like, right, I've achieved everything that I want to achieve in this sport. Yeah, what's next uh, though? What's, what's, what's next is good. you're gonna ask yourself, though, aren't yeah, you? yeah. What's next? And for now, it's just about how do we improve on the previous performance. And so, yeah, so it's, it's hard to say relieved. We're just just working our way up and just enjoying it as we go along. Yeah. Have you have you actually transitioned into the sport side of the sport and 
have you got a goal in mind about where you actually want to go? Or I, I suppose a better question would be, is there a minimum benchmark for you where you want to go? Because everybody could sit here and say, I want to be a world champion. Of course, we all, we're all going to say that, absolutely. But is there a minimum benchmark in your mind where you want to get to, where you want to say, if I can get to this level and at least achieve this in my career, I'd be satisfied? Of course, like you want, you get into the sport if you're a prospect, you get into it to to want to win titles. You know, that's that's a measure of how well you you've done in your career, I suppose, in your boxing career. Um, but for me, it's more about like I just want to be as I want to fight, I want to be as competitive as possible with with the best fighters as, as I can. So obviously, like when when my career is said and done, you know, I'll look back and I'll be think I'll judge my um, my success as like. The, the level of opponent that I've competed against really and obviously like you know if you want to fight world title challengers at that level then you've got to have titles you got to have like, you know British title you got to have you know Commonwealth European whatever they are you know so that's my goal really I mean you know my my goal is to fight the best opposition as possible so whoever's the best in my weight division if I can fight them that's the goal yeah um, obviously that's going to change as, as time goes on but um, yeah that I want to compete at the highest level possible that's my goal and obviously at world level is that is that goal you know and that's that's the way i approach the sport anyway so it's realistic though isn't it it's a realistic approach i mean people's people's perceptions are completely different you know i i've spoken to people in the past i said well if you're not getting in this sport to be anything but a world champion then why the hell are you in it and people people do have that level of belief and confidence in themselves that they will um they will say things like that and that that's part of them as a character and a persona but obviously for 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 yourself it's about judging it based on on the level of opposition you get in the ring with and, and and depending upon that level of opposition really will dictate as to where you do go in your career and the titles that you may win and how far you do go. So it's a really exciting journey to to be on and it's going to have its challenges along the way. And you've got your second professional fight coming up in October uh, at the Oldham Leisure Centre again. What, spe- what date is it specifically? Uh, 14th of October. 14th of October. Yeah. So people can get at you now for tickets. We've not got physical tickets yet. Uh, the flyers haven't been released, but you know, uh, I think they're going to come soon. But if they've got an interest, they can definitely reach out, and I'll put the name down on the list and uh, yeah, get a partner to uh, to sort them out when they're ready. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely getting that sorted. Uh, so by the time people are listening to this, by the time you guys are listening to this episode, you should hopefully be able to get at Jason for tickets. And one element of this conversation that we've had and it's been dropped a few times in it is is about sponsorships and how much difference that makes in the uk to fighters coming up where where you're at at the moment so those that have supported you this is probably a really good opportunity to just kind of let them know like you know let people know who they are and and give them a big shout out because i know from all the years of doing this and the different prospects have spoken to as, as to how important that really is for them to be able to cover all the costs that you were mentioning earlier and how, how important that is to help you get yourself on that path because without that how are you going to get there because as you said earlier it makes you think how many other fighters that were talented had to quit the sport because they weren't able to get that level of backing or support so who who are the who are those that are sponsoring you uh, who are those that are supporting you in that sense that are allowing you to to start progressing your career forward? 
and just to reiterate that without sponsorships it's it makes the game so so much more, more difficult you know ticket sales are helping costs and stuff like that like i'm just even just like promotion you know and getting your name out there really helps with everything so just to go through them so i've got sam's gift which is a local charity in berry it's one of my uh, one of my close friends it was his, his family's charity because he set it up because his brother died of cancer uh, a few years ago now and it helps people on their journey with cancer it's been based at the christie hospital and they just help people on their journey um, who are suffering this and their families as well so it's it's really good to self-represent them as well and, and get their name out there there's red chili project which um, a business based in cheshire they work with eye mongery so like distribution and stuff like that so work on like big projects to sort of move you know eye mongery and stuff like that um, we've got Multiply, which is a, a good friend from university, actually, who's interested in sponsoring me. He runs a business um, in, in Dubai now, like, a, a, well, I think it's, like, international now, but it's, um, yeah, but they work, it's like a, a social media marketing firm. And then we've got VSF Garages in Berry, so they are, um, you know, so they work with, like, garage repairs and stuff like that. It's a local business that I met through, they help out with my amateur club, Bradley Philippe, so... I got in touch with the guy there and, and he's willing to help me out, which is great as well. And having been able to support local businesses as well as like local supporting local as well. And then we've got High Grade, who he's one of the coaches down at my Radcliffe gym and he runs his, uh, he runs like a sports, a boxing sports um, apparel company as well. So he helped, he helps me out with like ticket sales and stuff like that. And again, local supporting local. And then we've got the sealer, which is another person who's helped me in my career um Liz Norris she's helped me you know by help she understands like the, the game and stuff like that so you know I can speak to her about things and then she has a cuts business now so she did set the house seconds at the um at my first fight and so we're just like sort of like helping each other out so she sponsors me as well and trying to get her cuts business a bit more you know out in into the circuit as well so yeah all of them just like brilliant thanks to all of them and uh for helping me out on the journey as well and i uh, look forward to sort of representing them going forward as well oh well absolutely this is this is the perfect opportunity to say thanks to them so big thanks to, to, to every single one of them businesses and people behind them because without that level of support you know it would be very very difficult to start transitioning into this side of the sport and the business side of it and being able to sell as many tickets and be able to promote yourself and be able to get all them social media posts and everything else that comes with this side of the sport it is as you rightly put it earlier it is about building a brand and they talk about some of the biggest brands in the uk anthony josh is probably the biggest one that springs to mind with all the endorsements that he has behind him and you know if you don't ever get to that level you want to certainly at least get to a level where it becomes self-sufficient where you don't have to worry about medical fees, license fees, physiotherapy, anything that you need to get you in the best physical condition ready for fights. So it is really, really important. And, and we can't really stress enough how important it is. And I know you've got quite a few sponsors already, but of course, if people listen to this episode that are local in the Berry area or anybody in the Northwest area that wants to support you on your journey, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, just through social media really or... Then got at me. I think on my, my posters or of the previous fight are on my social media, so I've got a number on there in contact. I just got directly through social media as well. And yeah, we're, we're always looking out for people who want to help. Or and obviously, it's I like to think of this stuff as like you know, it's I want to help you as much as you help me yeah. as well. So it's not just giving someone free money. Really, I don't like to see it like that. I want to help businesses as much as businesses help me. So 
So yeah, just get in contact. You know, I'll get back to you as soon as possible and work on something in the future. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and it's been good to get to understand your journey through the sport so far and get to know a little bit more about sort of where your goals and ambitions are for, for boxing in the future and for anybody that wants to follow your journey, they can get you on social media, Jason Cohen, Cartley, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, uh, any other socials? Yeah, so it's Jason Cohen Boxing on Instagram, which is my main one. Um, Facebook, just uh, Jason Cohen. I'm on TikTok as well and Twitter, but most active on Instagram, so that'd be the ones to sort of get me through as well. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where your journey takes you. No, it's brilliant, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Big thanks to Jason for coming on the show. I really hope you guys have enjoyed listening to his story. And of course, if you have, please do let us know on social media what you thought of the episode. You can tweet us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, or you can find us on any available social media application like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you can find us on YouTube at BTR Boxing Podcast Network. If you're one of Jason's family or friends, please make sure you like it and share it. And if you're not and you've just enjoyed his story, please also do the same. Make sure you like and share the episode, retweet, repost, add them to your stories on TikTok and Instagram. It is really appreciated, really supportive for us. And of course, for Jason, who's come on and told us all about his journey so far into this sport and his future plans. That is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.